Welcome to Ramble with Intent. I'm your host, Lisa Saban-Smith, and today I have the joy of welcoming JLE Bowen onto the podcast. Today we learn about light weaving, how she became an intuitive, and everything else in between that is soul-based and heart-centered. You can find her online at jle.com or on Instagram at jleconnects and to spell her first name, it is J-A-Y-A-L-E-I-G-H. All right, folks, let's dive into it. Let's ramble. All right, today on Ramble with Intent, I have got JLE Bowen here, and she is an intuitive. And what really caught my attention was one, I was sitting in the room with her at the MYM Summit in Kananaskis, and I just felt myself drawn to her. Just it's it's like there's a person that's in a room, and you look at them and you notice them. I don't even know if, if you noticed it, JLE, that I noticed you, but I did. Um, <laughs> And then also immediately afterwards, JLE presented on social media on her Instagram, a light reading, and it just had me so intrigued. So welcome, JLE. Thank you very much for being on Ramble with Intent. And from that, I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself and give everybody a better idea of who you are. And uh, and then, yeah, let's let's just ramble. Okay, thank you. No, I didn't know that. That's always so interesting to hear like after after the fact, right? So thank you for sharing that. Um, so happy to be here. Uh, yes. So yes, I am an intuitive and um, I do readings, Akashic records and um, light language, light weaving is what you experienced in that post. And uh, basically, when I work with people, um, I sort of tune into the whole soul, the true essence. Um, absolutely, as a channel, I can go into moments in time where maybe there were some limiting imprints or beliefs or trauma that are keeping keeping you stuck in certain areas and unwind those. And um, yeah, so past lives, ancestors, all of that. Uh, originally, I I was an actor. For many, many years. So I recently made the connection, you know, it's like, why did I pivot so much? And I mean, sure, there's a whole story there. But, but at the end of the day, when you ask yourself, you know, what's, what's your purpose beyond, I truly believe just what I help people do, which is be yourself and your full frequency, and everything will follow from there. But, but basically, the the connection between, um, becoming all these other characters and getting really intimate with why they say it, said that line that way or what their quirks are, where they are in the story of their life. And what I do now with people is exactly that is stories. I'm just not even just fascinated, but so, so unbelievably moved by everybody's stories. And we have so many and yeah. then becoming attuned as a channel and a healer, you know, for 20 years now, I've been able to see so many. And like I said, even other lifetimes, because these stories, whether they're ancestral, I mean, even if you don't buy into past lifetimes, it doesn't really matter. It's sort of these archetypes, this, these stories that live in ourselves, even collective stories that live in ourselves. And um, so if we are still filtering our present through an old outdated story that is really keeping us from the full expression that we're here to be in now, then that's an issue. <laughs> that's an issue. And so I will go in and, and, and lovingly with the other person because it's always a co-creation. It's always a, a soul has been led to this kind of work. 
will unwind it. And it's incredibly healing because we really get to understand why, you know, why, why these things aren't happening or are happening or why I feel this way. And we, it's kind of like if it's use a general example, inner child healing, mm-hmm. when you really start identify, oh, that's what happened. So that's why I am the way I am right now. There's so much compassion. So it really brings us back to um, self-love. And yeah. also, I know, I think we briefly chatted that later we might get into, it brings you back to a connection with, with whatever you want to call it, God, source, the divine, and the fact that we are that as well. Yeah. So that's a little brief summary. Amazing. As you can tell, it's sort of hard to describe. It's quite experiential, but it's all about freedom. It's all about freedom of expression because I truly believe that. um, And I think, I think I heard, I heard you say in another one of your, your podcasts um, that you're more of an optimist. I'm like one of those apocalyptic optimists. I'm like, yes, things are absolutely insane right now and, and falling apart, but they have to for where we're going, which I truly believe and just know is an absolutely beautiful place where everybody does fully accept themselves and each other and is lit up doing what they love, being who they are. And that just serves society. We're all just kind of serving each other by yeah. being ourselves. It sounds yeah. so simple. But it's really not because there's a lot of programming, right? Yeah. There's a lot of inner <laughs> knowing that you have to be able to um, work through or be able to sit with a little bit deeper too, True. especially True. for that optimism point. Like there's there's toxic optimism, which... Uh-huh you know, we're starting to see and identify, but then there is that like hope-based faith-based optimism where it's like, you know, we're here, but there's an answer. There's a solution for this, or there's a way to move forward. Um, But we need to operate off of really and truly blind faith, if you will, knowing that that step forward will come to us when it's right or when it it, it's ready to present itself or we're ready to receive it as well. So, yeah, it's, well, I love that word knowing I, I have, I've kind of received recently, like we're entering the age of knowing yeah, um, and, and really to just learn to trust, trust ourselves. And yeah. if we are on that, we'll call it a healing journey where, like you said, it's not all like any light worker or healer, you know, worth their salt has done a lot of it's shadow work as well. You can't have one without the other. Yeah. So if we're on that journey, you know, very consciously and observing and acknowledging and being really honest with ourselves, then those things just kind of naturally arrive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that arrive. And so I guess I think that leads into how did you arrive at the knowing that you are a channel or an intuitive? Because I, I'm not, <laughs> I mean, I have my own intuitive knowing, but I certainly don't pick up things of other people. Um, it's sort of maybe like identifying their light or that attractive point when I see them in a room. But um, how did you know that this is a gift that you have. Um, so having done my own sort of healing work, I learned this later on. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure if you've heard this term, but I um, am an HSP. So a highly yes. sensitive person. Yeah. And I think I talked about this briefly in that, that MYM session, but mm-hmm. so that is Elaine Aaron coined the term for people who just have a more highly attuned nervous system. And this is not to say that that's better or worse. It just means we are picking up on the subtext. So as a child, 
I later learned later in life that that's what I was doing and could feel the emotions of the adults around me, even if that's not what was being communicated like verbally. And so that, you know, that, and then there was nobody really around, I had a wonderful childhood. There's nobody really around me to sort that sort of recognize that or could, could guide me um, with whatever that was. So I would say initially I was very highly sensitive, knew that there was something more, teenagehood I remember I was a runner I would jog like make my way to the to the cliff overlooking the lake and just have the most ecstatic like heart opening experiences I would call it like just one with God or the divine like now that I look back I can see that those were what those experiences were and then like I said um I was in the acting world for many years and I did go to school for it and I trained um in theater and so so I'm very interested in psychology, right? And like I said, these journeys, these beautiful heroes journeys that we have, the pain, the joy, like all of it. I love it. And um, so that that I did for a little while. And then to be honest, the 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 human in me, I just got I kind of got really tired because it, it can be a grind for a little while. I love the craft. I loved the family created when you were on set or doing a play, but you know, the, the going to last minute auditions constantly, I mean, you really have to be devoted and you know what, it's just on the back burner. I'm not saying I might even go back to it. Cause it's always there. I think when, as an artist, your art is always a part of you. I just sort of express it in a different way now. Yeah. So I just kind of, um, put that on the shelf for a little bit. Um, I did have a dark night of the soul, journey for a few years there when I moved out west after university with a boy <laughs> an addict and so I, I that I also explained in the other session not to to blow right over that we can get into sort of what the dark night of the soul is later if you want because I know most of us recently went through another one but uh, that is when you are really forced to look at things and evaluate things and it can often be quite isolating and so what I found uh first was yoga Mm -hmm. and that got me into the present moment rather than always worrying about the future or being in that state of anxiety that I was in at the time um and so that really slowed me down it got me connected with my body it got me connected with my uh, breath it got me connected with the body mind and spirit connection initially yeah. it was yoga and um i'll fast forward a little bit but i taught yoga for 16 years i, did I was just gonna ask yeah yeah it's kind of like when you find something that really heals you and work for you you want to yeah. share it so yeah so yeah many different styles meditation teacher as well and so when you're learning about energy and the chakras and the connection with the body that and I'm one of those people that like I will dive right in like almost to the point of obsession like just okay. learning taking I got a million trainings and certifications <laughs> but it was then Reiki so becoming a Reiki master yeah. I think after Reiki level one I had my hands on someone and immediately started receiving messages and seeing things so that would be the point where I was like okay and then I it wouldn't mean much to me but I would relay it to the person I was working with mm-hmm. and it would be extremely relevant there'd be tears or I remember one point like seeing a German shepherd and being like, I don't know why, but there's this German shepherd. and it was a man and he just started bawling. It was my dog when I was a kid. And then of course there's oh, a beautiful wow. message for him in there. And so it started just being more and more of that. Yeah. And then my journey with it was trusting because mm-hmm. it's, it is 
it, or was kind of out there. I'm like, what is this? Why, why is this phrase keep getting repeating? Why, why do they need to know this? Or even I say that I kind of work with guides. Um, yeah. It's like, do you really want me to say that? And then every time I trusted and went with it, it was extremely um, healing and transformative. And then I got attuned to, um, I, I guess you could call it Akashic readings, but they're very specific core pattern uh, readings where we go into the actual causal moment, usually in a past life that created a main karmic pattern that mm-hmm. um, somebody is that we're, we we're, there's many patterns, but there's one main one actually that's different for everybody that we're trying to digest and move through and alchemize in this lifetime. So, so that um, that became just very fulfilling. We're doing the readings like that, and you know now I do these sacred activations where I run energy that will clear hundreds of beliefs it just sort of sped up i don't yeah. know if you sense that that things are kind of speeding up so Definitely. now i can do a lot more in a shorter period of time with some other energetic tools yeah yeah, just yeah sort of the totally. it was just kind of a it gradual does. and then the big part about it is just leaning into trust and then yeah. doing it enough that it was just kind of okay this is this is a real thing this is, yeah this is- yeah absolutely that i mean it, it's uh I think for the the person who doesn't understand, we have this perception that you were just like, you were born with it and you knew, or some major life event happened and all of a sudden it was turned on for you to become a guide or, you know, a, a, a intuitive. And so it, it's really uh, interesting. And I guess, um, a little bit more of like that human normal process of understanding that it took time and that it, you had to really and truly accept yourself in order to then accept that this is, this is who you are. And this is something that you have as a gift that you're able to then help give to other people. And through Reiki, I mean, I I think Reiki is probably the most, um, normative experience for people where that energy field and transfer of energy happens from the patient to the practitioner. And so it's probably the one where most of us, like if, you know, if people live in like all this stuff is a bunch of woo woo, (laughs) um, Reiki is probably the easiest one to accept as that being a bit of that channeling experience because, I mean, you lie on the table and you're like, what the F are you doing to me? Oh, I don't know what's happening, but something's this. happening. Yeah. Not touching me. And yeah. it might feel that you, something happened in the moment, but nine times out of 10, it's when you leave the table and you go home, you're like, oh my goodness, that yeah. was a treatment, right? And it's such a unique experience. Um yeah that then you understand it. You have to go through it to understand it is what I'm trying to get to. But um, can you, can you teach a little bit more on what the Akashic readings are and like that Akashic? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and I, and it wasn't called that when I did my training and got these attunements and I, you know, not, and not everybody's called to it as well. Um, But the, but the more that I look at it and the more I see what happens when I actually go in and channel, I would call it this. So the Akashic Records, the idea is that it is this sort of place that you can tap into that holds the records of your soul. Right? Okay. Every single story, every single lifetime, possibly even like the future, because time in that world is like not a linear thing. Mm-hmm. The ancestral stories, like all of it. And then 
the idea with the the sort of past life stuff and past life regressions is that the soul is eternal. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, we come back to learn more lessons or to, or to serve humanity in some way. And so, um, the Akashic records will just, it, when it's very healing because when you learn certain events that happened to you, then a lot of your current life starts to make sense and it gives you a profound understanding of yourself. And like I said, compassion. And then if there's any stuckness, so an example that that usually helps an example, let me think of a really good example. Well, the one that's come up a lot recently in the past few years is um, like the witch hunt, for example. So if you were, let's say, burned at the stake or imprisoned, for sharing something that you channeled, sharing a truth, a knowing that went against, you know, what the powers that were um, were trying to have people think, then that memory stays in your cells, even though you're in another timeline, another body. It's in your cellular memory. So that's what I work with in the realm of the cellular memory. So we would want to go in and very gently, very lovingly, I, I always tell the client, okay, it's coming through now, the event. So just watch it like a movie screen because this is so old, it's not relevant anymore is what I want them to feel. Yeah. And so we'll describe the story. And often in detail, I literally just kind of channel and open my mouth the way it needs to come through, which is different for every client. Yeah. And um, so it's actually quite cathartic. What we don't want to do in any healing modality, I would say, is get identified with with the wound, like get, like make that our identity for the rest mm. of our life, right? No, we just want to be aware that's the story and we don't need to carry it anymore. We don't need, or, or we rewire it too. I rewire, that's actually a really beautiful process is rewiring the person's perception of themselves or life. Like let's say, oh, it's not safe. So that would be like, it's not safe to speak up. So your body in this lifetime would start to feel the same, like, it's survival fear, right? It would be the same sort of reactions, flushed face, heartbeat going up. I remember, and I know that we could speak to this. We don't have, it's relevant, right? But like with all the controversy the last few years over the government and shots and all of that. Yeah. I rem like, I remember being very scared of saying anything and I'm a mom too. I have a four-year-old and an eight-year-old. So mm -hmm the mommy Facebook groups, like if you said anything against or questioned anything, it was like immediately once again, the witch hunt, the pitchforks, like it really was, it jumped on you. Mm -hmm. And so I remember having those feelings of not wanting to until, I don't know, maybe you can really, it got to the point where I couldn't not, I couldn't not. And so that was part of my journey in this lifetime is to find my way back to this full expression to release any trauma being held in my cells yeah. around, this is a scary thing. Bad things will happen if you do this. Yeah. Yeah. My experience was a little bit different. Um, but, but I do remember, I, I do remember having that like inner battle of what am I willing to lose if I continue to speak out and, um, and I was willing to lose it all. So, I mean, I, I, I didn't go to any of the big protests or anything that actually it physically felt unsafe. Um, so that never happened, but in the name of forums or, uh, going to council, uh, those types of things, I was like, I'm willing to risk losing it all because I am too principled and too much of a justice seeker to, 
not say anything. Um, and in some cases I lost it all, but in another case I gained it all too. And it was, you know, you can choose to see it as a negative or you can choose to see it as a positive and a step forward. Um, there was definitely scary times. There was definitely inappropriate jokes being made within our inner circle of like, whose cabin are we running to in the hills? Oh yeah. (laughs) And like, there was legitimacy behind that joke too. And that's, that's a scary thing when you think of it, like how dead serious we were on, we've got these skills, these supplies, we can make it here. Who's got the other ones to fill all the holes. How are we going to survive? Like that was a legitimate, serious conversation yet we buffered it with humor, of course, but it's so scary to think that like in Canada, land of the free, that that's what we were talking about too. So that, that was the fear point for sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting how our, our, our experiences during that period of time probably all felt the same, but they all transpired in some different form. So many different stories. Yeah. But, but, and then, and then like commonalities, right? Because we're all human down here having this wonderful at times heartbreaking and terrifying (laughs) experience but yeah I when I look at it it's like um for a while it felt like a lot of loss a lot of loss relationships and then you realize you know as you continue to move forward like when it's just a knowing like no I need to like you said something along the lines of this is the hill I'm gonna die like I will I will burn it all down (laughs) and that's just because of who you are who we are right like this is one of this is what I stand for and so when we move forward in that and we had to find our community that really helped then I just look at this as the most profound opportunity for I'll speak personally for my soul in this lifetime it was like whoa it was devastating at times. It was scary at times. But then now when I look at it, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm so much stronger, mm-hmm. I'm so much freer. Uh, you know, I just, yeah, boundaries, standards, all of it. And I was just having this conversation before we spoke. I'm realizing that like one of my big soul lessons now, cause I have to keep coming back to it is like even more love. Yes. Yes. Even more love, in the, even in the face of people who like didn't invite you to Christmas dinner or called you this or called you that. It's like, and I'm not saying like we go and be with them if that doesn't feel safe or right anymore. But it's like we have this greater understanding of what's going on there and, you know, the media and what actually happened to people's brains and what they preyed upon. So yeah. it's like even more love, even more compassion. Do yeah. I get it right every day? Um, Am I non-judgmental every single day? No, but at least I have that awareness, right? So my soul's journey right now is like even more unconditional love, even more compassion. And at the same time, um, boundaries too, like self-love. And for me, like, thank God for my kids, because, you know, as a mama bear, it's just like, uh, hell no, like hell no. If I can't be a voice for myself, I, I can be for them. So that was a big healing journey too. Yeah. Absolutely. I was just going to say like that whole love component, if we're able, like I experienced it myself too. And is that ability to start 
sending the love out and then having that realization that that much more love is bouncing right back to you. It's like, I literally come up with the scene of the Care Bears and the Care Bear Stare every single time I talk about this with people is like, the more that I can send out, the more is coming back to me. It might not be like in your traditional understanding of it, but it's in some form of opportunity, abundance, a greater knowing, um, a better curiosity for learning something that then connects you a little bit further to what is helping make meaning for why you're here and what you're to be doing. And it's really, Pardon me, it's really exciting seeing uh, even our younger generation. So, you know, our 18, 19, 20 year olds, 30 year olds starting to have this greater awareness too. And starting to, at least in my realm, I notice there's a removal of the love of the superficial. And there's a new connection of just that love for self and that ability to say, like, this is who I am. And I am totally okay with it versus when I was in my twenties, I knew who I was, but it was not acceptable. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I bent and, and molded myself with, you know, uh, giving areas where I could bend and, and blend in, but then I could still hold on to pieces of myself. And that way I wasn't totally losing who I was, but I wasn't really operating in that full authentic capacity because we were told not to. And, right. and that's a huge change. And it wasn't safe to as totally. well, right? Yeah. There's those survival wounds. Another big one is like being cast out of the village, you know, yeah. having to fend for yourself or just having love taken away. Yeah. Nobody wants that. No. So it all came up. It all came up in the last few years. Yeah. And then just to circle back to what you were saying, we were saying about the loss. We now can see like, you know, sure, on some level there was some loss, but in other ways it we we were shifting and we were changing. And there's like a new identity now too and a uh, different frequency. And so what we found were that people who match that new frequency, mm -hmm. which to get lofty again, I believe is here to set the stage and usher in this idea of like new earth, old paradigms of control and greed and all of that collapsing. Yeah. It's like we, that was an initiation that we had to go through to be the, the ones who are ushering this in, in our own unique ways. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. Um, it's just, it's so in frequencies, it, it, it makes me think of in my twenties, I watched, um, what the bleep do they know down the rabbit hole? Yeah. I don't think you can even find it online anymore. I remember that one. Yeah. It was amazing. And it was like the surface level introduction to resonance and frequency. And then it's like quantum physics is so confusing and yet it's totally not because yeah. when you're watching it, at least for me and the person that I was watching it with, we walked out, we're like, Oh my God, like, I knew this, but I needed that to explain it to me. Mm -hmm. And, and it made so much more sense for so many things too. And, and it definitely like the frequency component is there for sure. And I think even with the acceptance of more and more of that science on, you know, grounding and uh, drum circles and somatic healing and lymphatic massages and all these other things, they're all 
areas of trying to bring us back to our uh, basic frequency so that we can operate, be it hopefully in that elevated frequency as we move forward too, which as you mentioned, when we get into the conversation of love, like love, joy, awe, those are all among the highest frequencies we can operate at. And so how do we get there, right? So how do we move forward to be able to operate in those frequencies? Yeah. I I don't know when you were talking, the word uh, curiosity just channeled in as well. And that has, like I'm, all, I do talk about you know the idea of being childlike, um, but when you were saying love and joy and being the highest vibration, for some reason I heard curiosity, curiosity. Yes. So I'm taking that as a message too to just bring that into the conversation or have have us all contemplate that because a lot of so to to answer that question just really quickly, but there's so much to it. It's like it has we know that it now that it has to start with loving ourselves too, right? Yes. So we just have to we faced all these shadows, right? And um kind of in a way like held our own hands through this collective dark night of the soul and came in on the other side. A lot of us, um certainly in the community that we're where we met, like quite like quite happy now, like excited, excited, let's say, you know, about what we're creating. So um, curiosity. Yeah. So when we're doing the healing work, it's, we come in perfect. Like we come in as our soul's frequency. Mm -hmm. And I always say that like babies and kids, you know, like uh, for, for at a very young age, they're so clear. They're, they're just so divine. They're so connected to spirit, right? Because the programming hasn't begun yet. Yeah. I don't like to say it starts right away, but, but there's just such a purity. They're so in the moment. Um, they're always, you use the word awe. Everything's like, they're in awe of everything. They're so curious. So I think if we can get back to, you know, we take a lot of things so seriously. I know I, I did and still do like, you know, so if we can just get back to like lightening it up by knowing that we're, we're here to play, like we're really here to play and to be curious, to learn, to listen, to have fun. Like these bodies are divine. If you think about what we get to experience, what our soul gets to experience through these bodies, like it's absolutely incredible. We've all had those moments let's say in nature where you're just like, Oh my, you just brought to tears or brought to your knees with the beauty of it all. And that's not to bypass the the darker times, yeah. but those are also beautiful. Maybe not in the moment, but the, the wound, like the, the, this it's, as we know now, having just gone through the past three years, it's always to lead you. Like, it's almost like I, when I, when I work with people very specifically on what's the main karmic wound, what's the main thing then there's a process that I do with them to, to actually name. Usually it's about a sentence. It's like a statement that they can then work with of your soul gift. So what you're really struggling with when you consciously work through it, which you could say, if we're conscious, we're all, all doing that. And we always, and as teachers or whatever you're here to share, we're sharing what, from what we went through. Mm -hmm. So that is a key to like your greatest light and your greatest gift. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so it's like getting back to that childlike wonder, curiosity, fun and um, divinity, like our connect. And, and I really feel it in my heart when I say that. I'm just like, I think I had this actually come through with a client recently. 
And I do a lot of work with the crown when information is coming through or see this golden light coming to your crown and remembering the Akashic records. And in this session, it was all heart energy. So there was this beautiful cord and light coming from source, again, whatever you connect with, straight to the heart. And then I used to run women's circles too. And we would start by like closing the eyes and just feel everybody's heart in the circle. Mm-hmm. And you could even do that right now and just think of people you know and, and even people you don't know and then people all over the world. And we truly are connected from that heart frequency. And of course, you know, some of us have lost it, some more than others, lots of things happen. But but again, to come full circle to how can I how can I love even more? How can I be open even more? How can I have more compassion? If we could all just like even try a tiny bit more, then I think the resonance of that vibration can really like heal the planet. And I do believe we're going there. I know there's horrendous things happening, but what has it done? It's cracked our hearts open. Pretty much everybody has had their heart cracked wide open. And in, you know, even in our individual journeys, that sort of has to happen at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you bring up curiosity and it's funny because when I work on like an advocacy standpoint and either like try and help people figure out how they're going to advocate whatever the thing that they're trying to represent or speak for is, or when I'm on my own little missions, um, I always start from curiosity. I always start with asking, what do I know? What do I know to be true? What do I need to know? Who can I ask? Where can I find out more information? And then through that process, we get to learn so much more and we get to expand that much more too. And I think that curiosity point can be played into every single realm of our relationships, be it within ourselves. We need to be curious with ourselves. Even for me, just learning I'm a generator and learning to ask K body, what do you need today? Mm-hmm. And, and that alone is like, it's, it's eye opening and being able to actually give that and give my body a chance to answer that, especially as a sacral generator and just like everything's physical. Um, I am too. You can hear me going, mm. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My whole podcast is like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but And then the curiosity, even when you're building relationship, like the best part, the honeymoon of a relationship, friendship, whatever, is that learning piece. When you're getting to know the people and you're getting to know that potential future best friend or life partner. And why do we stop when it's often like affirmed that they are, are that person why does that curiosity stop? We need to continue with that curiosity because what we knew them to be a year ago does not mean that's who they are right now. And then, because for me, advocacy always starts from the individual point and then you have to spread it outward. So it needs to start from within. And then you can, when you are solid within on whatever the issue is, then you can take it out beyond and expand further. Uh, And then it also helps you identify when to stop. Because there will hit a point where you might need to stop because you've actually learned that your opinion is actually not the correct opinion. And you need to be okay with that too. But having that curiosity piece really allows for an openness and a softness to be able to 
attract what is necessary to help you formulate your next next steps forward. Plus, it allows you to approach from a place of love and respect and understanding because you've worked really hard to um, break away from your biases and have a better perspective from all angles rather than just the one where it's just that hard and fast, this is the way it is, which I think is a lot of what we have experienced, not in the last three years, but in the last decade, the last century, it has just been, this is the way it is and accept it. And there was a point where that's what we did because we had so much trust and faith in other entities, but we're starting to experience the, I guess you could say the the downward slide of those entities. And we get to return to curiosity again. And we get to return to why did we accept this? And in what situation were we that made it so easy for us to move forward, accepting whatever the 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 rule of thumb was at that time, um, which then allows us to just formulate again how we're going to proceed in that next step forward. I love that. I love that. So beautiful. And whereas I was saying, and I know you mentioned like this has been going on for years and years, but let's just take the last few years again as an example because it was so huge collectively. Um so for some of us that maybe we're more connected to that intuition, or I don't even know if I would call it that, but we just had a knowing yeah. and moved forward with that knowing. Um, so for me, my lesson now I'm seeing, because, you know, there was a lot of hurt, there was a lot of grief. Now it's like, well, you know, but who, who I am, who I want to be is, is love. So my, my soul lesson is like, coming back to love, coming back to more unconditional love, compassion. Mm-hmm. Whereas if if there was a point in time where a person um, is now looking back and seeing I, and regretting a decision or something like that, then I love how you just said, it's like, it's okay. Like, this is the journey. These are the stories I'm talking about. We all, you know, we're always faced with choices, right? And I, that's so funny. This is a side note. I have an open throat in human design too. So I will steer it back, but we can go everywhere. Um, I was just at the library with my eight-year-old daughter yesterday. She went, She started reading. And I was like, oh my gosh, choose your own adventure. Let me see. Did you ever read those? I might be I dating those. myself. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I was like, let's get you a choose your own adventure. I used to love these because they're so cool. You'd read a little bit. And then at the end of the chapter, if you decide to go to Italy and get on the plane, turn to page 248, if you decide to stay. And so you like, that's what it's like, right? We're always faced with a choice. If you somehow regret a choice, you will always, always be given another chance. So I would say that rather than like numbing out or going into self-loathing or, um, you know, kind of like zombie mode. I know a lot of people like just, I just want to get through it. I just want to move on. I just want to stick my head down. It's like, okay, you can do that. Like that is your free will. It's going to come back again now then though. And that's okay. But you're just prolonging it. You're here to move through this pattern. It's not going anywhere. And how beautiful is that? You will always be given another opportunity. So why not, like you said, explore why that might've happened or where I was at or what I was like, what was missing, what I need, who can support me? Like all of those things. It's always an exploration of curiosity, right? What don't I know would be another question too. 
Definitely. And a heads up, the longer we put off the thing we need to go through, the bigger it shows up next. Yes. Yep. That is like, that is sort of a, a, a rule. What would you call that? Like a physics as well. It's like, uh, yeah, I would say so. That's going to get a more challenging. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a bigger thing next time. That's so true. Yeah. It's so just going to be uglier or harder <laughs> or more painful. So yeah, we got to learning to identify those little moments, those little tweak um, tugs at the heart or the triggers that and I'm not using trigger in like the the current trendy um, phrase that is used these days but just those things where something innately is saying you might want to pay attention to this yeah I suggest you pay attention to them yeah Yeah, don't put it off um speaking from experience here (laughs) so 100 and that and that is you know, that I feel compassion when I hear that, because that's not easy to do at first. No, you know, it's being learning about being a sacral generator generator myself as well. I found human design a few years ago and that was, it's like, no, trust you, you actually can trust your initial feeling. Mm-hmm. We're not, ta- we're not taught that we are taught to outsource our authority, like all through school. Right. Raise your hand, do what the teacher says, do what your parents say, all of it. And so it really is a a profound coming home to your own body's reactions to things. Like it's such a miraculous tool, the body. It it really is. And I this phrase, I might turn it into a program, but it keeps coming up for me like the divine human. I really think that's coming online. It's like this is not just a meat body and it's it will it will it's here to guide you as well. You're not just here, it's not something that you just use. It's actually like your compass as well. How does my body react to this person? You're faced with the decision. Okay. If I say yes, how does that feel in my body? If I say no, how does that feel in my body? Just all of those things. And then, you know, maybe the next one that's not easy. Once you get past that is going against the brain, right? <laughs> maybe everybody around you is saying, no, do this, but your body is saying, I don't think I will or something, you know, that's yeah. just an example, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're putting a whole new meaning into uh, your body as a temple. That really is. Yeah. It really is. And it's the best teacher too, provided you can actually hear it and listen to it. And, and you're okay with that. that. Yeah. Yeah. There there can absolutely be, you know, the, the, if there's trauma there, then that's a that's another journey. That's another mm-hmm. journey that requires some specific support, but yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm curious about light reading because it definitely captured my attention. I've never seen it before um or heard it because you make sounds that go along with it as well um so can you can you just educate me on it because i have i have no idea i can certainly try i can certainly try lisa (laughs) (laughs) you know i think i've always just been drawn to things and been like if it resonates is true okay yeah but um so yeah light weaving that one is called weaving yeah so i had a wonderful teacher actually my first spiritual teacher my first uh yoga teacher trainer um and i think i've shared this with you before but very briefly it was a year-long program and very very deep into um Kriyas and chakras. It wasn't just like get into warrior one. Like we went deep into the psychology and what, and she's also a channel and a reader. So one of the requirements to take her program was I had to get my core pattern reading done. And so this was 20 years ago now. And so the process, and then I became attuned to do this. It's called, um, 
oh, what does she call it? Light, art of life, art of life, master alignment. We call it all different kinds of things now, but that's what it was specifically called. So basically, um, all I can do is describe much like Reiki when you get an attunement, which anybody can, by the way, we are all conduits of light because we are light. We have light bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, So I received this attunement and then I'd practice with her. And so I just sort of have this way of tuning in and then I feel energy going down my spine. Let me just remember, I do it so much. I don't think about it down the spine, up the spine. There's a, there's a very powerful energetic channel called the Shumanati. It will come up around the third eye and then out my arms and into my hands which um open throat side note the meridian lines in your arms are the heart meridian so it's all heart hands we reach out we touch we hug with our hands right so once that that energy gets going and i'm tuning in then my hands will start uh moving now i do channel light language now but that's just in the past maybe two years so yes there are sounds that come through when i'm doing light weaving and what I've just kind of figured out is that that is light language as well. Now it's kind of more specific, the language, as opposed to just sounding. So the light weaving, light language, it is um, an attunement, an activation on the cellular DNA, the subconscious that bypasses the conscious mind. So this is why it can work really, really quickly. Um we don't necessarily need to relive our trauma for, you know, months and months and months and months. Um especially right now i'm finding that we can really leap quite fast with our with our will and with our desire um and there's so much support for that now so light language light weaving surpasses the conscious mind and just kind of it feels like it like wakes up the dna a little bit it brings the knowingness of who and what you are and your divinity and you know the 5d and upper realms back online okay um I was having this conversation a little while ago about like blinders. And if you look at things they created thousands of years ago, there really isn't any rational explanation for a lot of it. So I feel like we had these abilities. Yeah. We most likely had these abilities thousands of years ago. We don't need to get in. We get into like the realms of good and evil and what's been (laughs) on the planet that is now moving off, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. We've sort of had these blinders on for a while so that we were easier to control when we don't know that we have this connection to this beautiful power. So this is just sort of rewiring things in the DNA and in the mind and bringing things back online, activating more of who and what we really are is what light weaving does. Okay. Amazing. Well, and you know what, it's highly effective for someone who doesn't understand because we sit there experiencing it in complete curiosity of like what is this <laughs> so, oh no oh i'm just i'm moving rooms like i okay, said there, sorry. Is a, there is a leaf blower outside my door so i'm just gonna shift here but i'm with you okay <laughs> yeah, it is very experiential it is like a but again it's taking us back to we've also been quite cerebral you know, the past few generations, this is kind of taking us back to the body and the Mm -hmm. fact that we're energy. And it's like, I completely understand um, wanting to understand it all and know exactly what it is. But and there's also some things that, that we just have to start to trust what we feel as well. Yeah. And just receive it instead. I just saw that I had a filter on. I'm going to turn that off. (laughs) 
<laughs> Not but the yeah. mask with the top hat, is it? <laughs> no, I think it was like lipstick that doesn't work in this lighting. <laughs> Gotta love filters for when on those days, right? Where the yeah. Is- <laughs> yeah, there's days they're needed for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, and it's funny because you're talking about like you know, centuries ago, things that were done, not really having any logic behind it. And instantly hit me that with the knowing and understanding, so I'm a surface level learner. I learn what I need on surface level, unless I know I need to dive deeper. So I have this uncanny knowledge of random things. Um, but that energy too. pardon me, it probably saves a lot of energy too. It can. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that, but I don't need to deep dive there. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not there yet. Um, (laughs) Churches and any religion, um, why there has been a significant drop in attendance or faith-based following, um, in part because the construction of our churches have changed so much. And with the knowledge that historically, like our early century churches, uh, and even before then, you could go as far back as pagan design, were all designed to act as channels or closer connection points to the powers that be. And and now you start seeing more modern design and they're cold, they're, they're hard edges, they're no longer mm. circular so that the devil can't trap you. There's There's all of these other things that are now missing And I kind of wonder, like, this is just the curiosity point, because I have nothing to back this up. But I wonder (laughs) if that actually might be a a connection piece to the decline in those faith-based communities as well, because we no longer have those unexplainable connection pieces that are happening. Are you talking specifically about like the structures, the, what they, yeah. the churches look like and the architecture? The architecture I am so fascinated by that. And I, and I don't, you know, beyond again, just tuning in, asking the guides and it's like a knowing. Um, and, and also connected to the last few years when we were trying to figure this thing out, cert, you'll hear certain things and you just, it's like, Oh my God. Yes. Yes. It's just a knowing. So I think that's coming back online more. We have to learn to really trust that. Mm -hmm. And so when, when I heard, I've, I've heard about that architecture piece before, and I love seeing those like reels where people go into it and like do the comparison of then and now. And it's like, it was absolutely stunning. It was art. It was, it was human being creators creating, downloading, channeling. It was so divine. Yeah. So I think there's absolutely something to that. Um, and what was it? I, I probably saw the same thing you did, that these gorgeous cathedrals were, there was something about, um, I saw recently that they were also, what do you call it in a stadium? The sound, like, oh, uh, word for it. well, they're acoustics. acoustics. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it was also structured to make the acoustics um, healing. Like they were used, they used it for like sound healing and therapy because we're water and we're energy and sound effects, both of those things. So, so I, I love all of that. And again, I don't know a lot about it, but I, I think it's so amazing that we're all like going, getting really curious about this and it's coming back online and there's so much we don't know. And I love that too. 
Like I've done readings where I'll see like a, a person in whatever lifetime and like the clothing is something I've never seen in a history book. And I just describe it to the best of my ability. But I'm like, I love what I do because like I learn things every single time. I'm just yeah. Like, oh, that sash was used for this or, oh, you carried this. <laughs> and it's like, and we know like who writes the history books too, right? So yeah. there's just so much. And it is held in our cellular memory. So yeah. it's there, those those shivers, those feelings of like, I don't know why, but this feels like, I feel this in my heart. This feels true to me. Well, like that's why, because you do know, just not consciously. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so it crazy. It's so fun. It's hard to, you have to like, you have to skip because you have I to mean, skip the understanding that cells are like tangible things. Mm. And so you have to skip that tangible and, and <clears throat> just have faith or trust yeah. that that spiritual or that soul is really, it's just taking up the tangible space maybe. Yes. And then for, for the scientific minds, um, you could explore it's a little bit different but the field of epigenetics yes so those studies they've done about you know memories of ancestors on that people will have but it wasn't their experience it was someone who is in the dna like it really is yeah and I, I love how epigenetics is starting to explain away the it's my genetics blame for so many things <laughs> it's, it's so great because it's like no you have so much control and so much power yes. and ability to change how your life once was and where it's headed, but mm -hmm. you can't blame your genetics for that. You yeah, it's not destined to experience the same thing or a disease because you know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's such a good way. I mean, not that we have to end it, but that's <laughs> such a good thing to land on, you know, toward yeah. the end of the conversation. Exactly what you just said. We have so much power. We are so, so, so powerful. And yes. maybe remembering that um, could like shift a lot of how we move forward with things now. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. You know what? I think that is a wonderful place to end too, actually, because I had a girlfriend who's, she's reading a book. I don't know what book it is, but it's talking about that. We are now in a remembering mm -hmm. and remembering where we came from, where we come from and where we can move towards. And it's like when you put it in that phrase, that it's a remembering, it is like permission to just take it in, experience the story, and then determine how you are going to move forward because you have all that power and all that strength and all that control to be able to make that happen. Yeah, a remembering. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. This has been so wonderful. I feel like we could actually talk for hours on end. And yeah, then we'll go have... off in so many amazing tangents. Yeah. So maybe we'll yeah. do it again. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I think we should yeah. down the line at one point, we can move move forward and do some other conversa conversation topics for sure. But this has been absolutely wonderful and enlightening. And now I know what a light weaving actually is <laughs> yeah a little bit a little, a little bit, bit. <laughs> I mean unless one day I'm gifted to be able to experience it I will just take your word for it so like actually me for you right now but I don't know how that translates on a podcast but I could do it for you right now um you know what let's save that for another time okay okay yeah all right very wonderful talking with you and I so appreciate your time 
Thank you. So thank you. And by another time, I mean when I take this podcast to YouTube and you get to actually watch a light weaving in action. So stay tuned for that.